Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Believe, the show about Christian apologetics and theology. My name is Hayden Clark, your host, and today I am excited to introduce my special guest to you. He is professor of evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, author of uh, a couple of books, uh, one of which is called Everyday Evangelism, and I am excited to introduce him to you. His name is Dr. Matt Queen. How are you today, sir? I am doing well. It's good to be with you today, Hayden. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day to do this, and it's always great to have on a fellow Texan, and not only that, but uh, a fellow uh, Southwesterner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, for those, uh, I I gave a brief introduction there about who you are, but for those who may not be familiar with your background and kind of uh, what you do, give us uh, a short introduction. Sure. Well, um, my name uh, is Matt, and I am married to uh, Hope. Uh, we met at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Uh, she was going there to do uh, b- um, biblical counseling, and so we we actually met in uh, evangelism class, introduction oh, nice. to evangelism. So uh, we met, and I got married. We've been married uh, just last week, twenty years. We've got two uh, two girls. Uh, one is uh, fourteen. Her name is Madison. One is seven. Her name is Mattia, and uh, they both know the Lord, and uh, so that's a little bit about my family. Uh, I've been here at Southwestern for 10 years. I'm going into my 10th year of teaching. came here in 2010. Um, I uh, occupy the L.R. Scarborough Chair of Evangelism, which has been also called uh, the, the Chair of Fire. It's actually Southwestern's first academic chair uh, of any of the chairs that they had, and it, it's actually the first endowed chair of evangelism anywhere in the world. And L.R. Scarborough, our second president, was the first professor in that uh, uh, professorship, and I'm the ninth occupant of that that chair. So uh, I like to, um, I love to uh, talk about evangelism, do evangelism training in churches, I love to write and love to preach. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. So is uh, just evangelism something that you were always uh, really interested in as far as like teaching and things like that? Or kind of how did you build that passion? Yeah. So um, when I got saved when I was seven years old, um, as soon as I accepted Christ in my my, my life and in my heart, uh, I was so excited. I, I, it was in a Baptist church, yeah. but I ran not up the aisle, but out the aisle. Uh-uh. And I went out to all the kids that were out there playing hide and seek and tag. And I was saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And that was my first, you know, evangelistic proclamation. I was trying to tell everybody I was saved. And I remember um, wanting a microphone big enough to reach the whole world. Yeah. You know, there was no such thing as the Internet and all that kind of stuff back then. But I wanted a microphone to tell the whole world what Jesus Christ had done for me so he could do it from them. About a year later, my dad, who was a deacon, uh, took me door-to-door evangelizing. And so I was there right beside him. I didn't say much. I listened to my dad more. And that really uh, put within me a, um, a passion to do evangelism, and it came from my father. Um, I uh, you know, went through uh, a high school. I w- walked with the Lord. I did evangelism and things like that. Uh, I always wanted to be in ministry, but I never thought I was good enough. And when I graduated high school, was getting ready to go into college. I was a percussion major, going to go into college for percussion. Uh, it was August the 3rd, 1993. Uh, that uh, Sunday afternoon, the Lord got a hold of me, of me and re- made me realize that I am not good enough, and that's why he wanted to use me. Because yeah, exactly. if I thought I was good enough, I would take credit for uh-huh. it. So, so uh, that was something he was looking for, was somebody who did not think that they were worthy to do it. And I surrendered to ministry. So I just thought that was be a preacher or be a pastor. I went to college, went to seminary, 
and uh, it was uh, at Southeastern Seminary in Chapel one day. There was an old evangelist. Uh, some of your uh, watchers and listeners may know him. His name was J. Harold Smith. His famous sermon was God's Final Deadlines, or God's Three Final Deadlines. It was on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he presented that um, uh, that sermon, that manuscript, uh, to the president that day in uh, in chapel. And he preached a message. And I don't remember what, it, what the message was on. I still have a copy of it uh, somewhere. But I remember at the end of the message, he gave an invitation, and he said this, if you will share the gospel once a day for the rest of your life, yeah. I want you to stand up. But I don't want you to stand up if you don't mean it. Yeah. So I was getting ready to stand up, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Matt, if you stand up, you're not only standing up to uh, follow what the preacher's asking you to do, but you're going to follow what I want you to do. And I said, okay, what's that, Lord, you know, mm-hmm. in my mind? And uh, he said, I want you to help equip North America for evangelism. Yeah. And I didn't know all, what all that meant, but I stood up, and that's whenever I, you know, surrendered, and, and it kind of everything kind of codified for me that uh, I, I was a grace gifted evangelist. That doesn't mean that I just preach the gospel, share the gospel, I do that, but that I equip people uh, to be able to practice evangelism. So that's kind of how yeah. the story came along. Well, that's really awesome. But uh, you you brought this question upon yourself. I'm sorry. Now I have to ask. So have you shared the gospel with somebody today? <laughs> I, I sure have, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully uh, there will be some listeners out there maybe joining us that haven't heard it or need to hear it again. And so we'll, we'll get to that, and I definitely want to get to uh, evangelism as a discipline. Um, but I'm just... Um, I remember when I first read or heard about this, uh, I went to Southwestern online, I was telling you before, and so I, I've only been on campus a few times. And uh, whenever I read about the evangelistic efforts that have been going on on campus and um, just... I mean, just kind of the numbers. I know it ain't about the numbers, but when I read some of it, I was like, what is going on down there? And so I really want you to share with us uh, what's been going on down there, because there's been some crazy stuff going down on the Southwestern campus as far as evangelism goes. Yes, sir. Well, when I came in 2010, uh, the seminary had launched an evangelism program, and they called it Taking the Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you've been on Southwestern's campus, and for some of you that uh, have ever been here, uh, it, it, Southwestern's called the hill, uh, but when you come here, you, you kind of look like you look around and say, "Where's the hill?" You know, yeah. or at least I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. I was like, "Where is it?" But it is. It's the um, high uh, Southwestern is actually built on the highest um, point in Fort Worth, so that's why they call it the hill. And so uh, basically, what the uh, what the seminary was doing was students were going out, professors as well. And uh, they were trying to reach every home within a one-mile radius of mm. the school, which is a lot of homes. Yeah. We have a lot of homes around us. Um, so I came in uh, whenever that initiative had started and, uh, of course, worked through. I, I took teams out multiple times during the week, and uh, we were able to accomplish that. We, we as a school, was, were able to go to every house within a one-mile radius of the school. Well, when we finished that, we said, okay, well, the task is not done. There's still lost people around here, mm-hmm. so what do we do? So we prayed, we thought through, and then we began with a new initiative called No Soul Left Behind. And what that was, we said, you know, though we went to every home and tried to talk to people, sharing the gospel, uh, but there was not everyone that was home uh, every single time, so we would leave a track or a door hanger. So what we said, we're going to go back to every home that uh, that did not come to the door because we kept up the records. Mm-hmm. So we went back to every home that no one came to the door and shared the gospel, and God continued to save people that way. Uh, when we finished that, we said, okay, 
Jesus hasn't come back yet. The task is still <laughs> before us. So what are we going to do now? And so we came up with a, a new initiative <clears throat> that we called Going the Second Mile. We said we've gone one mile to every home. Now let's go in the second mile. And we began to do that and did that uh, faithfully and have done that faithfully. Uh, but um, about uh, two years ago, we started looking at things and saw that uh, a lot of the students' initiatives in evangelism had gone beyond just uh, going door-to-door, which we do believe in that, but we don't believe that's the only thing that you do. We had students that were going to college campuses and mm-hmm. doing evangelism. Uh, we had um, uh, uh, students and professors that were going to Buddhist temples and other places. And so we said, you know, we still are going to go in that second-mile radius, but instead of it making it geographically you know, minded, let's look at trying to do evangelism everywhere to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so what we've done is we've changed it to everyday evangelism. And one of the cool things is um, every week except for one since um, uh, May, or excuse me, excuse me, since the fall of 2013, we've seen at least one person profess faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. And uh, that's been great. We, we, we always try to follow up with them. Now, to be sure, uh, only God knows who makes you know true professions and who right. doesn't. But we, uh, but we at least have led them uh, people to make uh, those decisions, having understood the gospel. We don't pressure anybody. And then we've tried to work with some of the churches that are surrounding the seminary to try to help them uh, connect with these people, so that hopefully they can become uh, baptized, obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's kind of where we are. That's just an amazing story. It just kind of uh, blows your mind a little bit. Um, and it's incredibly practical and strategic. You know, you talk about draw- literally getting a map out and drawing a mile radius around the seminary and then hitting those homes and then actually keeping records uh, so well that you can start a second initiative called No Soul Left Behind. And props to whoever keeps coming up with these names of initiatives because they're doing a good job. Um, <laughs> well, it's taking a lot of prayer. And, you know, Hayden, one of the cool things uh, is not just what is being done, but who is doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd expect me as an evangelism professor to do it. Yeah. Or we've got missions professors here. You'd expect the missions professors to do that. And they and we do. But the cool thing is, is that we have uh, professors that are in preaching, professors in Old Testament, mm-hmm. New Testament, church history, other disciplines uh, that are women's studies that are actually leading teams out as a part of this effort. So every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we've got some professor that's going out with students. So it's not just saying, go, you need to do evangelism, you know, but we're actually going with them. And it's just, it's an amazing uh, experience uh, each and every week. That is cool. Are the philosophy professors going? Uh, The philosophy (laughs) professors have have not gone in the door-to-door that I know of, but I know that they are evangelizing. I was just just teasing because they kind of get that, you know, that rep of being, you know, really abstract thinking and things like that. But that's another point that I at some point wanted to talk about, so might as well be now, is evangelism is kind of seen as a um, a really practical um, aspect of the faith, and maybe I can uh, draw this out to where it makes sense. And it is very a practical discipline, kind of like a spiritual discipline, but you may struggle with thinking of it as an academic discipline, if you know what I mean, uh, kind of uh, the the difference there. So what is kind of, you know, people may be wondering, like, well, you're a prof- professor, have PhD, you get a PhD in evangelism? Like, uh, so what does that kind of look like at the academic level? Yeah, so so uh, I, I've understood that uh, um, question, and that's a great question uh, that I've had before. So uh, evangelism uh, in a seminary context 
is important. Um, uh, the reason why I say that is if you look at the seminaries or divinity schools that have not had a professor of evangelism and an evangelism class, uh, just take a guess on where they are theologically. Yeah. They're way to the left. Yeah, yeah. So, so evangelism is, I'm not just placing it on evangelism, but evangelism is one of the factors that God has at least used up to this point in seminaries to try to make them, as our founder B.H. Carroll would say, lashed to the cross, make sure the seminary keeps lashed to the cross. And so academically speaking, you know, my class in, in, in contemporary evangelism, I'm not just teaching people uh, gospel presentations, you know, they have to memorize yeah. the gospel presentations gotcha. that done. Uh, what, what we look at is we look at the biblical foundation for evangelism. So we look at what I would call foreshadows of evangelism. Mm-hmm. So in Genesis 3.15, when uh, you know God is uh, decreeing judgment against man, woman, and the serpent, and he says the serpent in, in verse thir- uh, 15, he says um, uh, the woman's seed is going to be an enmity with your seed, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. Well, that, that is, you know, uh, what we call the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. And so we see that uh, that's going forward. But even before that happens, before the judgments are, are brought out, God is there in the garden. What is he doing? He's saying, Adam, where are you? Mm-hmm. It's not because he doesn't know where Adam is. He's calling on Adam not to say, Adam, I can't find you. He's saying, Adam, are you willing to come and do business with me? Yeah, God, the and first so evangelist. A, yeah, he's, God is the first evangelist. <laughs> And, uh, and I think uh, God is, in many ways, the second evangelist that we see when Noah is there. We don't yeah. see this in Genesis 6, but we learn from Peter that Noah was more than just a boat builder. He was an evangelist. He was preaching. He was a preacher of righteousness. And so, um, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, he says that Christ, by way of the Spirit, went and preached the spirits that are in prison during the days of Noah. Hmm. Well, there's different views on what that is. I believe in the Augustinian Augustinian view that actually the spirit of Christ was resting upon Noah as he was preaching righteousness to the people. So so Christ was involved. And then there's all kinds of other, we've got Jonah, we've got um, uh, even uh, Galatians says that in Genesis 12, whenever God was calling Abraham, that the scriptures preach the gospel yeah. to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations will be blessed. So I look at the foreshadows of what evangelism, the foundations of that, yeah. and then we go into John the Baptist, who's there right as, on the opening page of the New Testament, as he's preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, and even in John, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So mm-hmm. we look at the biblical foundation, but we yeah. also look at the theological foundation, uh, the, the idea of soteriology comes into play yeah. uh, with evangelism. The ideas of pneumatology. Uh, uh, you know, um, we can sit, we can give the best evangelistic presentations until we're blue in the face. But if the Spirit of God is not working in us as a as a personal evangelist and working in the lost person to convict them of their sins, you know, what good is it? So yeah. we so we look at some of those the, theological dimensions as well. We look at uh, some communication theory as well to, to see, uh, you know, what's the best way to uh, sh- share the gospel and to do so in a way that uh, someone will hopefully listen to you, you know, uh, in the power of the Spirit, of course. So we, we look at a lot of these different factors uh, as it, as it uh, relates to academic disciplines. And um, our, founder, uh, our, our, our founder brought on L.R. Scarborough, and L.R. Scarborough said, you know, the last thing that you want is a cold, cold dead seminary. Yeah. And seminary is not uh, refrigeration for 
you know, eggs. But what it is, it's it's actually an egg that bursts forth with uh, where you have theology and church history that inform your evangelism so that when you go out, I mean, I've had many times when I go out and somebody says, oh, well, uh, you know, I don't want to believe the gospel because the Bible that it's containing has changed so many times. Well, that's when I come and I'm able to use my New Testament, my Old Testament, my Greek and my Hebrew. Uh, some people talk about, you know, the church has made mistakes here and there. Yeah. And other. Well, then I use my church history. So what we try to do at Southwestern is we try to fuse the academic disciplines of theology, church history, those things, with the, the practice of evangelism. Yeah. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, if you only do theology without evangelism, you turn into... Uh, I mean, think, your faith does turn cold. Yeah. If you do evangelism without having the disciplines of church history and theology and biblical studies and all that, then you become, you know, you can become kind of out there, you know, and, and heretical in some ways. So you have to tie the two together. And yeah. that's done in the discipline of evangelism. Yeah, for sure. So that is uh, that's a great answer to the question. We won't be questioning the academic <laughs> Uh, uh, foundation of evangelism ever again. Uh, so uh, as we go forward, how would you define uh, evangelism? What, uh, what what does the word really mean? Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a good word. Um, somebody, my favorite definition of evangelism. Somebody said evangelism is, it is a conversation between two people, a believer and unbeliever, who are both nervous. <laughs> I, I like that yeah. one. Uh, but I would, uh, my definition of evangelism is this. Uh, evangelism is that spirit-empowered activity in which disciples of Jesus Christ give an intentional, complete, and verbal witness to his life, death, burial, and resurrection, calling unbelievers to become his disciples by repenting of their sins, putting their faith in Jesus alone, and confessing him as Lord. I know it's kind of long, but I'm a professor. I'm also a Baptist preacher. And uh, what I've found is a lot of the a lot of the um, definitions of evangelism that are more short. Yeah. They, uh, they they allow for they allow for more time, and there's an urgent matter for us to make sure to get the lost uh, uh, to hear the gospel. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, you talked. You, uh, you said it was a verbal presentation. Now, a lot of people might say that. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't. Um, you already I can tell. You already know where I'm going. But uh, uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't really share the gospel with my words. I just live it out with my actions. Uh-huh. Uh, what do how, What do we say to that? Yeah. Well, um, I would say there's only one time in the scriptures that I ever see a case for living out uh, your uh, faith. Uh, in, in such a way that will persuade unbelievers to become believers. And that's in First Peter. Uh, uh, or I think it's First Peter. It's, it's in one of the P- P- uh, Petrine epistles where Peter is saying uh, to the wives who have unbelieving husbands mm-hmm. who, you know, live chaste wives. And by doing so, you may, you know, lead your husbands to, to faith yeah. in Christ. So if you're a and, guy, if you're a guy saying this, you don't really have much of a foundation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's the only time that I know that it, that it shows that every single time the gospel has ever been preached, it's been done so with words. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, that's that's what we say. I uh, see in the uh, the the, the uh, Bible biblically, we don't see people just living their lives out, and then uh, you know someone coming up to them and saying, "Oh, there's something different about you." I, I just tell you, there's nowhere in the Bible that I see that at yeah. all. What we see is that there's an initiative, there is uh, uh, intentionality on behalf of believers. I mean, they were willing to die for it, and so mm-hmm. that they uh, they would go up and they would preach the gospel publicly. Um, so um, I would say 
you have to live a gospel-centered life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you only evangelize without living it out, you're a hypocrite, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the fact of the matter is, um, uh, there's also hypocrisy in living a Christian life without telling why you you know yeah. why you are a Christian and how other people can become a Christian. Yeah, and in some ways. I mean, you want to avoid both of those pitfalls, but in some ways, never actually verbalizing it might actually be worse. I don't know. Because, um, you know, like you were getting at, you can't get from my good deeds that Christ died for your sins and you have to repent. I mean, you just can't. It's impossible. There's no logical connection. You can you can at best get, oh, he's a nice guy. I should be a nice guy, too. And of course, That's if you, right. and, and if you have any kind of biblical uh, worldview, then you know that well. That's not going to get you. That's not going to get you saved. That's not going to uh, get you uh, into the kingdom of God. It's not through works, but through faith. And faith only comes through hearing. And so, yeah, and that and that's right. And, and, and listen, there there are a lot of good atheists out there that mm-hmm. they're nice atheists. There's a lot of nice Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims that are out there that uh, are just as moral as it were as maybe a Christian would be sometimes. And so the difference is we have a gospel mm-hmm. uh, that, that can change lives and uh, can do more than just let someone live a moral life. It can actually allow the righteousness of Christ to be the old Bible word imputed into them. The yeah. righteousness of Christ becomes their righteousness and uh, his righteousness lives its way out in them. So, yeah, well, uh, Another uh, kind of a, a criticism, first of all, it's, it's kind of funny that there even are criticisms of that, but um, is kind of that this evangelism that you're um, putting forward, um, a criticism would be that it is kind of short-sighted, that the goal shouldn't be to get people to make decisions, but to, um, you, know, you know, discipleship should be uh, the the aim here. And so kind of kind of speak to that uh, uh, critique that uh, I'm sure you probably heard before. I, I mostly see it on Twitter from all the heroes out there, but uh, it, yeah, I kind of speak to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so that, that does uh, um, happen. So what, what I would say is evangelism and discipleship, you know, there's different ways of looking at it. The, um, uh, C.H. Dodd, uh, in his book, uh, Abstract Preaching Its Developments, he actually divided the two, and they almost became enemies. He said, you know, there's evangelism over here, there's discipleship over here. Um, Robert Coleman, in his book, he comes in with his book, Master Plan of, of Evangelism. Oh, yeah. It's almost like he makes evangelism and discipleship the he same does. thing. That's a really yeah. good book, by the way, if you're out there. It's a very good book. Um, so what I see is um, I think that evangelism and discipleship are really almost like Siamese twins or they're, 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 uh, there's this interconnectedness that they have, um, where, or, or maybe it's two sides of one coin, yeah. as it were. Um, so, so I would say I do not know of any disciple that's mm-hmm. ever been made mm-hmm. apart from a one-time decision. Mm-hmm. And that's what evangelism calls that's for right. is a one-time decision. However— uh, when we are calling for a one-time decision, you know, to, to say I trust in Christ, that decision is not just something I'm doing then and stopping. We are trying to, as the Great Commission says, we are trying to make disciples who mm-hmm. are baptized and obedient. He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey, not just teaching them. A lot of times we think the teaching them in the Great Commission is just giving them a bunch of facts. No. He says, teaching them to obey, teaching them obedience. So that's what we're looking for. And if I can just, uh, I'll try not to to wax eloquent on this, but I think that's one of the the weak spots that we have 
uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, for example, sure. is that what we what we have done is when we've evangelized, we've said, okay, all you have to do is uh, pray this prayer or, mm-hmm. or you know whatever it might be. And I do believe. Listen, when I got saved, I prayed a prayer. So I believe you have to confess Jesus with your mouth. Yeah, you have to confess to God Jesus is Lord. So I, I'm I'm all for praying. Mm-hmm. But if we say all you have to do is just pray this prayer, and they pray a prayer. And then we say, okay, now you need to read your Bible. Now you need to go to church. Now you need to pray. Now you need to put away any known sin. They're saying, what are they saying? Wait a minute, you said all I had to do was that. Yeah. And now you've added on. So it's almost like a functional uh, Catholicism where there's a work-based salvation, though we would not ever say that or believe that. Right. So what I like to do is I like to, in my evangelism training, say, look, we need to evangel the way in which the presentation that we use in our evangelism will inform the disciples we make. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the main things, you know, when we do evangelism, um, we, we talk about uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins. I'm all for that. Absolutely. We've got to do that. We need to tell that more, not less. Mm-hmm. But what happens is in this culture, when you say Jesus died for your sins, now believe in him. We, we know that he's risen from the dead, but someone who's never heard of Christ they hear us saying, believe in this dead man. That's yeah. what they're hearing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> so you have to say Jesus died for our sins and was raised again. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's great. But as a Baptist, and that's what I am, you can't leave out the burial. Paul didn't leave out the burial. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, yeah. for I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and raised on the third day. So if I'm going to someone and I'm trying to make a, a, a baptized, obedient disciple, and I go through and I share the gospel, Jesus died for your sins. Even if I say Jesus was raised from the dead, you're a sinner. If you repent, believe, and confess, Jesus is your Lord, you can be saved. And they do that, and then I say, okay, now you need to get baptized. They're going to say, where'd that come from, mm-hmm. right? But if I've told them that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and on the third day was raised from the dead, then what I can say is, look, Jesus has called you to be baptized. You remember just a second ago when I said Jesus lived and died and was buried and raised mm-hmm. again? Well, your way of showing the world publicly professing that is to, through water baptism, yeah. show that you live, you believe Jesus lived, died, was buried, and raised. Now, I didn't say anything about baptism when I said death, burial, resurrection, but I had it there as a prompting point for the discipleship that right. would follow after that one-time decision. So there's some other things you can do. I, I don't want to wax eloquent here, but but I think wax if it. we <laughs> wax on. I think I think if we were to think through, okay, I I, I, ha- I am looking for a decision, a one-time decision. Once saved, you're always saved. But I'm looking for a decision that makes an obedient, baptized disciple. Yeah. It might help us as we do our evangelism, as we form our gospel presentations. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, the original critique that you were answering there kind of um, throws the baby out with the, the bathwater, uh, the proverbial baby, of course. Um, <laughs> because yeah, and, and, and you know, one thing, whenever Paul is even uh, with the Corinthians and he's corresponding with him, and he says that uh, you— he, he says that I'm your father, though you have many spiritual leaders, mm-hmm. I'm your father. He shared the gospel with them. He stayed with them for a year and a half, Acts tells us, yeah. Acts 18. But then he left. Um, there was only so much discipleship he can do, and I'm all for discipleship. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say, well, because I can't stay here and do lifelong discipleship with you, I'm not going to share the gospel right. with you. He shared the gospel. Yeah. He still was a father in the faith, 
but they still had other leaders. Mm -hmm. So I think that also goes into play. Yeah, so how does this work out, uh, for example, on uh, the program there at Southwestern on campus when you're going door to door? Um, yeah. how, how do you make sure um, that you're doing what you were just speaking about? Yeah, so uh, of course, we're, the way we articulate the gospel, number one, is it, we're trying we're we're trying to move towards mm -hmm. decisions that are that make disciples uh, that that are baptized and obedient. Uh, if someone does make a, a, a decision like that, what we do is uh, some of the immediate things we talk about is okay, uh, it's important for you uh, to uh, be baptized, and we go through the death, burial, resurrection thing, and we don't baptize you. The mm -hmm. churches baptize you, yeah. And so we've got we've got a, a couple of churches, depending on what area we in we're in. We know the churches that uh, uh, local churches here that have partnered with us. And we can say so and so church or so and so church. You know where they are. Which one have you heard about that you might want to go to that we can maybe give your information to to follow up with. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way we do that is we do that with partnerships with the local churches here um, because. We, the seminary doesn't baptize, mm -hmm. and the seminary doesn't teach obedience uh, to all the commands of Christ. Churches do that. Correct. And so what, what we've tried to do is we've tried to, on the front end, in, uh, initially as they accept Christ, tell them you're going to get a contact from this church, a person at this church. And then what we do is we follow up with uh, those churches to give that information. Sometimes we've even uh, taken people with from the churches with us yeah. to them to make that introduction. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. Um so this kind of uh, you know spray and pray method you're talking about here, going door to door and really just you know you're trying to evangelize to somebody every single day, um, you know um, I, I I keep hitting these criticisms, but I think it's just important for people to hear because not only are they criticisms that some people have, they're also doubts that you may personally have if you're listening. Um, some people may think or criticize that this kind of door to door evangelism is kind of outdated or ineffective and so how do you respond to that yeah i think that's a great question well let, let me just say just for your listeners and, and viewers um i do believe in door-to-door -door evangelism but i don't believe that door-to-door -door evangelism is the only way to do evangelism right. so it is one way it's not the only way we do it here at southwestern but it is a way that we do it um uh so um so so i, I just want you to know that but Door-to-door uh, -door evangelism, what we found is, uh, again, as I've told you, since fall of, uh, I think, 2013, we've seen at least one person every week indicate that they've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to just, me, yeah. I was going to say, I was gonna say yeah. to me, that works, but go ahead. I was just going to say then, I mean, it's just demonstrably false that it doesn't work because you've gone out and done it. <laughs> That's right. I, I think really what happens, uh, Hayden, is... A lot of people, when they go door to door, uh, and they've tried it before. People, you know, people tell me it doesn't work. Well, I say, well, when was the last time you worked it? Yeah. Uh, but when people have worked it, I think what they've done is they've gone and they've done one of a couple of different things. Some people will go, and what they'll do is they say, "Hi, my name is Matt. I'm with. Uh, I'm a member of a church in Joshua. I'm with Lane Prairie Baptist Church in Joshua, Texas. It's right down the road here, and I like to invite you to church." Yeah. And uh, here's some information, and that's it. Yeah. Well, if that's all you're doing, guess what? Nobody's going to get saved. Yeah. So that's not going to work. Yeah. So I would agree that doesn't work. Other people have come, and they've, you know, they want to ask questions. You know, this question and that question and another question, or they go to the door and they're just asking a, a you know, a bunch of things and just trying to get to know somebody and make a friend mm -hmm. for life there at the door. And uh, then people, they just get frustrated and they close the door. I understand why that doesn't work. But here's the fact of the matter, Hayden. When someone comes to my door, if they knock on the door or ring the doorbell, 
what or when they do that at your house, mm-hmm. what's the number one thing you want to know whenever if you're going to open the door? What do you want to know? Are you Jehovah Witness? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're wanting to know why are you here? Yeah, why exactly. Are you here? Yeah, so what happens is a lot of times we fumble around and we come to the door and we say, hi, my name is Matt, and this is Hayden, and uh, uh, man, it's hot out here today. <laughs> yeah, you know, Texas is hot. Yeah, here it's going to get hotter. Yeah, hell's hot. You know, I mean, we just keep on, you know, it, it, <laughs> we, 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 we kind of bumble it, but what, what people want to know is why are you here? So yeah. instead of instead of taking time, just what we do is directly tell them. So we say something like this. Yep. Hi, my name is Matt. This is Hayden. Or Southwestern Seminary, just in the neighborhood, trying to get to know our friends and neighbors. And we've come here today to tell you how you can have peace with God through Jesus. The Bible says, and then we just do a short gospel presentation. So, so no questions. Asking, no, 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 question. no, no. Do you want to hear this? No, because here's the fact of the matter. If they don't want to hear it, they'll they'll stop. <laughs> and, I have, and, and we're fine. If they stop, yeah, yeah. we don't argue with right. them. We say, thank you. Here's Obviously, some stuff. Yeah. But what happens is I'm, I'm a firm believer that two things have to happen. There's two requirements for anybody to get saved. Number one, they've got to be uh, – the Holy Spirit has to prepare their heart. They have to be convicted by the Spirit, convinced by the gospel, those things. So the Holy Spirit's got to be at work, and then we also have to share the gospel. So the Spirit and, and the believer, the gospel, have to be involved. So if it's just the Holy Spirit, I don't believe – the Holy Spirit just comes upon people and automatically saves them against their will or without them knowing. Right. I also don't believe that I can go and share the gospel with anybody until I'm blue in the face or do the best job that's ever been done without the Spirit and somebody gets saved. Right. You've got to have both of them. The Spirit and the bride say come. Mm-hmm. So um, what, I, what I do is I, instead of asking them, I just go ahead and tell them the gospel as much as I can. Because what's going to happen is I'm casting out gospel seed, Matthew 13. Yeah. And when that gospel seed uh, touches you know, their ears, as it were, I'm going to see where the Holy Spirit's at work. Some people are going to say, just get out of here. Well, that's the first soil. Some people are going to say, hey, I want to hear more. And maybe they accept it quickly, but then it falls away. Some people accept it, and then you know, money and the, uh, the love of this world will get in the way. But, but here's the fact of the matter. I can't know what the Holy Spirit is doing in anybody mm-hmm. until I share the gospel. Yeah. And uh, and nobody can. I mean, I, I, nobody has that kind of discernment unless you just have a word from the Lord. And I'm not talking about a Pentecostal, you know, word of knowledge thing, but unless the Holy Spirit just leads you yeah. to keep on going. Um, so the only way I know how anybody at a door or anywhere at a Starbucks or whatever, that the Holy Spirit has prepared them to hear the word and, and to, to receive it is if I share the gospel. Wow. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit, you know, does something there mm-hmm. with people that he's preparing their hearts for that. Yeah. Um, so so we just with no questions. We don't ask if they say no. We say, here's here's a little booklet you can take. So before you even. Way, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. But that way we go through the whole gospel and then we say, is this a decision you'd like to make today? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's the reason why it's not because of the southwestern way of doing evangelism. It's not just because of door to door evangelism. It's because you're actually sharing the gospel and calling for a response right. yeah. instead of just inviting the church, which we should invite the church. Mm-hmm. Or instead of just trying to be nice and polite at a door, we we need to be nice and polite, but just tell them why you're there because yeah. they, they're ready to hear. Yeah. So before you even know their name, you probably share the gospel with them? Uh, yeah. Well, I'll say, hey, my name is Matt. This is Hayden. What's yours or something like that, you yeah. know? Um, okay. Yes. Uh, so, 
So brief introduction. Yeah. I'm just trying to be as like uh, specific and practical as possible, so um, yeah, so that people can be encouraged. Um, if you don't mind, give me an example of how you've gone about sharing the gospel with somebody outside of even that context, where um, you've almost kind of got, if you will, an out. You know, we are specifically going door to door to share the gospel, so we kind of have to do it. But uh-huh. like you just said, I'm at Starbucks drinking coffee. I'm outside. Mm-hmm. How do I? How do you go about it there? Yeah, I think I think that's great. So, um, I'm a big believer that those who fail to plan time to evangelize mm-hmm. will fail to find time to evangelize. For sure, because we're all busy. I mean, right? same thing. I mean, you apply that to anything. You ain't gonna work out unless you set aside a time to do it. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. So so kind of kind of going about your spiritual formation, saying, okay, I'll I'll share the gospel whenever I get an opportunity. Well. Are you going to read the Bible when you get an opportunity? No, you got to take time to read the Bible. Yeah. you got to take time to pray. Evangelism is a spiritual discipline, so you got to take time to do evangelism. So I think the first step, Hayden, what I would say is if I'm going to Starbucks or if I'm going wherever, I um, I, I, I make a determined effort, you know, a, a, an intentional decision that I'm going to go somewhere to share the gospel. Now, there are some times that I don't plan to share the gospel, mm-hmm. and I do it anyway. And I hear, here's, here's an example of that. Um, um, uh, one time I was going to the hospital, my former pastor had had a stroke. He'd actually preached in chapel. And while he was preaching, he had a TIA, he had a, a little mini stroke. And so, uh, one of my f- former colleagues, he's now a pastor, Dr. Ty McKiker, my best friend, yeah. he and I were there to visit, uh, the pastor. We got on the elevator. I had the only intention I had that day was to go and visit my pastor. I, it's not that I wouldn't share the gospel. I just didn't have the intention to share the gospel with anybody that day. And all of a sudden, uh, somebody said, please hold the door. We held the door, and in, in pops uh, the, to the elevator a United States Postal Service worker with a mailbag. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to share the gospel with her. Mm-hmm. Well, e- even though I had not planned it before I went to the hospital, I had to plan right then and there I was going to share the gospel, and I only had a few floors to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. So I said, hey, you work for the post service, uh, Postal Service. Uh, you deliver messages to people, don't you? And she says, yes. And I said, guess what? Uh, I deliver messages on God's behalf to people. Let me share that with you. So so I had to make that deci- the decision, you know, as it were. Um, here's what I found, Hayden. Whether or not I've planned it and I go to a place to do it, or if it's just on the cuff and the Holy Spirit leads me to share the gospel with someone like that, if you or I are, are make a determined effort that we're going to share the gospel with somebody, we'll do it. It won't be hard to get to the gospel. You'll find some way to connect to the, to the mm-hmm. gospel. And uh, if you can't, then the one way I do it, if I can't find any kind of ground of, of, of being, you know, to kind of uh, to, to launch a gospel conversation, then what I've done is I'll say to somebody, hey, has anybody taken an opportunity today to share God's great love with you? Mm-hmm. And, and Hayden, almost everybody says no. And then when I say, can I take a moment and share that with you? Do you know to God's to God be the glory and it's not luck and one day it'll probably happen when they say no, but I have never had someone say no to me when I ask them that question. Mm-hmm. And I think what Christians need to understand is this: people in this world that yeah. are unbelievers, they're a lot more willing to listen to the gospel yeah. than you as a Christian are to tell the gospel. I think that's and certainly true. Yeah, so so I think it's it, it, the big part of it is just making a determined effort. And if you're going to Starbucks, it kind of gets hard sometimes because 
you know, if you if you sit at somebody's table, you know, they're going to think, who are you? you know? <laughs> but, but if you sit at the table beside them, you know, and they're there, and they don't have their their uh, you know AirPods in and all that kind of stuff, you know, just say, hey, uh, uh, do you live in this area, you know, or something like that, and just strike up a conversation. Uh, generally, when I when I say, hey, do you live in this area or something like that in a Starbucks, uh, I'll say, uh, you know, lived here long. Do you have a church in the area? And that's, you know, that's kind of my jump point to say, you know, I don't go to church for the sake of just going to church, but I go to church because something happened to me when I was seven years old, and then I go into the gospel. So, yeah. you know, I, I think a big part of getting to the gospel in any in any method it is, whether it's door-to-door, Starbucks, preaching, whatever, is determining that you're going to do it. Yeah. Well, I got one more question uh, for you, Dr. Queen, here in the uh, interview, and then we'll get to the bonus segment. So if you're listening, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, if you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and leave us a review. Uh, that helps get uh, us get the word out and spread the news. And in this case, we're specifically uh, talking about evangelism and sharing the gospel, so you can be a part of that by doing that. And if you want to hear the bonus segment, uh, stick around, follow the Patreon link in the description, and become a supporter, again, so that we can continue to put um, uh, uh, material out there like this. And so, uh, Dr. Queen, last question for you is, what advice would you give to somebody today who's listening and they're saying, yes, 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 I agree 100%. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, there's that line and they just can't seem to cross it, whether it be fear, doubt, whatever it may be, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I would say um, that uh, tomorrow, uh, tonight before you go to bed or tomorrow when you wake up in the morning uh, to uh, pray this prayer sincerely. It's, uh, you, and the words don't matter, you know, but, but pray a prayer with this sentiment. Uh, it's called the soul winner's prayer. God... Um, I know I need to be doing this, but I'm afraid. I don't think I'm going to do well, whatever it might be. Um, But God, would you give me an opportunity, make an opportunity for me, if you're saying it tonight, tomorrow, or if you're saying it in the morning today, make an opportunity for me today to be able to tell somebody about Jesus. And number two, give me the courage to act on that opportunity uh, whenever I uh, realize it. Uh, so, So just praying that prayer and by the way, you don't even have to say if it's your will, because it is God's will for you <laughs> yeah. to pray, do that. But if you pray that prayer sincerely and you're looking for opportunities, I really believe that uh, God will answer that prayer. I don't even think that's, a, like I said, a prayer that you have to say if it's your will. God wants to answer prayers like that. So I would just encourage them to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, you know, I'm available to, um, uh, to anybody who would like to um, uh, email me or, or send me a message on social media. Um, um, my social media accounts are D-R-M-A-T-T-Q-U-E-E-N, Dr. Matt Queen. Uh, my email is mqueen at swbts.edu. And if there's just somebody that wants to talk through or just to be encouraged, that's what God's called me to do as a grace-gifted evangelist is to encourage and equip believers to do evangelism. And I want you to know you're not alone. There's people that can talk to you and talk you through this and it's Grace Gifted Evangelist, and I'm one of them, and I can put you in touch with other ones, and we're here to help you do what God wants you to do so that his kingdom might come 
uh, through the, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, all right. Thank you so much. Hey, I will leave links to uh, the all the different things that uh, uh, Dr. Queen just mentioned, as well as some uh, the books that he's written in the description, so you can get a hold of some great material there. And again, we're going to uh, go to the bonus segment, so if you want to stick around, follow the link in the description over to the Patreon page to hear five more minutes with Dr. Matt Queen. Uh, Dr. Queen, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on, sir. Well, it's been an honor to be here, and I thank you for your ministry, brother. Thank you.